from Future Founders HQ in the podcasting studio at 1871 in downtown Chicago, this is The Insider, your fast pass for the latest news, tools, and debates for young entrepreneurs. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome everyone to the Future Founders Podcast. My name is Kelly Bertog and I'll be your host today. With me is Tina Harback, our Director of Startups. Tina, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, for sure. Happy to be here. Excellent, excellent. So as you know, we're talking a lot about customer discovery this month, and I know that's a big part of the program that you run with our 18 to 30-year-old founders. Just to get started, would you mind just briefly describing what customer discovery is? Yeah, customer discovery is one of my favorite topics to talk about, especially with like idea and early stage entrepreneurs. Kind of in a nutshell, customer discovery is a way for you to test a bunch of theories around your idea or your business or the problem that you're solving with an audience to really verify that there's a market out there for whatever it is that you're trying to develop. And you could, be, you could really be testing anything from like, who is my market? How do they work around this problem? What is their price sensitivity? Everything just that you want to make sure that you have a good idea around before you start building. And the purpose behind this is just to save yourself a lot of the time and money and tears that can come with going down a road of developing something that people might not want. Mm-hmm. No, that that totally makes sense. And and the more that we've kind of released content around customer discovery, like the, the more horror stories you come across of people that made terrible mistakes and spent a lot of time and money on something that ultimately customers did not want or it wasn't solving a problem that was a big enough pain point. So I guess my question for you is, I think, customer discovery, when you look at it, it does sound like a lot of work. I mean, you're you're doing things that aren't natural. You're getting out. You're talking to people, which a lot of folks that are, um, especially on the tech side of things, like building an app or something like that, might not be super comfortable with. <laughs> if you're talking to a young founder who is expressing some doubt in this process or maybe isn't super interested, what would be like your 60-second elevator pitch for why they have to absolutely make customer discovery part of their process? Yeah. Um, I understand that this is su- super nerve-wracking. It's honestly the first time that a lot of people get out there and talk about their idea to a stranger. And that's okay to feel uncomfortable about it. Like, you are putting yourself out there. But I once heard Brad Keywell, who is really important to Future Founders, one of the co-founders of Groupon, talk about how um, customer discovery is a way for you to kind of put ideas out there rather than yourself. So let me present this to you. It's something that I'm thinking about. I'd love to get your feedback on. If that's the way that you can make yourself feel better rather than putting yourself out there, but like, I'd like to get your thoughts on an idea, that can help out with some of the nervousness. So why do it, though? Back to your original question. I mean... It's like studying for the SATs versus going into the test cold. Like you would not do that and you're probably going to be more poised for success if you study. This is kind of the same principle. You're going to go and study your customers so you can make the best product possible. Um, so my big pitch with it is like, why not be as prepared as you can be before you spend all that time and money? Like I said, building out this product. As an entrepreneur, your biggest constraints on your business are going to be the amount of hours you can work on it and the amount of money you can develop to it. So uh, you can use to develop it. So you really need to be sensitive of those things and be able to maximize them um, as you build out your product. No, that's great. That makes a, a whole lot of sense. And I think the the point about, um, I guess, Brad's points that you brought, brought up make a lot of sense because you know as I've learned and seen you, you know, give uh, whole workshops on customer discovery. 
it's not about pitching. Actually, you shouldn't pitch at all. And I think when you're pitching your own idea, you are in a very vulnerable state. But when you're just asking someone about their problems and the way they live their life, you shouldn't really feel vulnerable because it's not you're not sharing your own thoughts or ideas. You're just having a conversation really is all it boils down to, right? Yeah, and you're going to have to get that idea out there anyway eventually. So like doing it in this way, it's kind of like crawling before you walk, walking before you run. Like running is the sales process, right? And no matter who you are, you are if you're starting a company, you're always going to have to be out there talking about your product, selling your product. Even if you're the tech person, you are going to end up being the person who talks about it. Um, but by like doing this crawling process and asking questions and getting to know your customers in a way that's not as, I guess, confrontational as sales would be or as like, I guess, achy as some people would think sales are, um, this is just kind of a nice way to ease into that process. It's really relationship building um, and research. Excellent. Excellent. So we've been putting a ton of resources on the website related to customer discovery and the whole process. So uh, I don't expect us to sit here and go step by step, but I was wondering if you could share um, just maybe some of the the best tips you have for the young founders you work with when they're first going into a a customer discovery process. Yeah. um, You know, I think an important thing to remember is that everybody does customer discovery, especially very successful companies. So even places like Nike, who are huge, have a ton of money to like spend and like can afford to make mistakes, honestly, more than an early stage entrepreneur can, they still are getting to know their customers better than anyone out there. I actually read an interview with the GM of their women's division, and she said that their goal was to know the female athlete better than anyone. And that's how you should be with your customers as well, is understanding who they are, what it's like to walk in their shoes, how they interface with your problem. Um, And really, when you are doing these interviews Opening your, opening your ears as much as possible. Like You want people to over-talk about themselves. You want them to get emotional and get frustrated. And so you need to do that in a way that you're going to structure your questions and your interviews to pull out that information. So for instance, back to the Nike example, like they talked to hundreds and hundreds of female athletes um, as they were developing their Flyknit line to figure out what their issues were with like sports bras and shoes. And for bras, for example, they'd heard that, you know, they the ones that were really supportive were too bulky, they would make them sweat, they were uncomfortable. And so they incorporated that into making a really lightweight bra with their Flyknit, Flyknit product. You can take that lesson back to customer discovery and really take it to heart. Like, what are your customers saying? Is it that, like, their product is super itchy that they're dealing with now and they just have to deal with it and it makes them not compete as well? Um, Or is it something else that you can incorporate into building your product? So some best practices on top of that um, when you are going into these interviews, again, look at them as a way to validate that there is actually a market out there for your product. This is your opportunity to really kill this idea. And I know that sounds harsh, but you don't want this idea to be killed by, after you've put a lot of money into it, put it on a market, and then no one uses it. You can pivot more easily now based on these um, interviews if the idea that you originally had doesn't work, change it to something else. So save yourself some time that way um, and really look for like the holes in your idea early on. Um, 
Other best practices, if you're really nervous, back to our early earlier point, if you're really nervous about getting out there and talking to people, I recommend that entrepreneurs go and passively do customer discovery. So the way you can do this is by being super observational. All entrepreneurs have to be really good at observation. Go and watch your customers interact in the locations that they might experience the problem that you're solving or they would use their solution. You don't have to ask them questions. Try not to be super creepy about it, but you can see kind of how people's flows go and how you would fit into that. So, for example, I worked with an entrepreneur who wanted to innovate the idea behind the coffee house. And I told him he was so worried about going and talking to people. And I told him, go into different coffee houses throughout Chicago, at least 30 of them, different, like everything from Dunkin' Donuts to Intelligentsia, like, mm-hmm. and just sit and watch for like an hour. How people come in, how much time do they spend there? What are they buying while they're there? Did they come to meet somebody? If they met somebody, what did they do before that person arrived? Did they buy anything? Did they have to ask for a Wi-Fi password? Those types of things, just to figure out what their experiences were like. That way you'll start to feel more at ease in that setting, more at ease about like the customer's life cycle within that setting that you hopefully will feel more prepared when you go into questions. and then when I think about just the questions that you can ask, my favorite question to recommend to entrepreneurs is to talk to their customers about how they're solving the problem now. Mm-hmm. And they're either going to be not solving the problem at all, they're going to be doing it unsuccessfully, which is kind of your theory that the existing solutions on the market aren't working for them, or they're going to be doing it successfully. Um, The only real room to create a company, in my opinion, is that second one, that they're trying to solve it unsuccessfully. If they're not trying to solve right now, it's not that big of a pain, and they're probably unlikely to pay for it. Mm -hmm. And if they are successfully solving it, why are they going to be motivated to use a new uh, product for it? So use this as a a kind of a barometer. Am I going to be able to get people that are going to be users or purchasers of the product, and are they going to be willing to pay for it? Mm -hmm. No, that that totally makes sense. And... um yeah, I think the, the the point there about you really have to be observant is is huge, and I think uh, you know something else. Like, yeah, people that might be struggling and, and don't necessarily want to start interacting directly, you can look for triggers too in terms of of you know going back to the coffee shop example. Like humans are very evolved to understand and see emotion in other people, so like look for those signs of someone being annoyed because they can't find the outlet or someone saying, oh, I hate it. I can never get a good seat by the window. Like it's, it's listen for those words where they're expressing, um, I guess they're, they're, they're upset about a certain aspect of the situation, or you can just visibly see it on their face of like something about this process is causing them to be annoyed and take that feedback and really observe it and, and work that into, um, the process and see if that works towards validating your solution. Totally. I mean, if you can see emotion in people, like that is the biggest bonus you can get, whether it's just like passively observing it or like actively interviewing them. If you can get frustration and like some people are more emotive than others, but if you can pull that out of people, it's really, really like gold for you. And this kind of gets to another kind of best practice is when you are interviewing people, a lot of times people tend to give really general answers, right? It's if like if I ask you in the morning, how was your weekend? You're like, oh, it was good. 
whatever. Like, that's a fine answer that 99% mm-hmm. of people are going to give. But when you're doing customer discovery, that's not a fine answer for you. You need to be like, oh, what was good about it? And have them actually get into the details and unpack how they felt about a cer- certain situation. So if they say, yeah, you know, traffic sucked today, what actually sucked about that traffic? Were you worried that you're going to run late? Like, was your playlist not good enough? Were you just like, do you just hate sitting in traffic? Like, you want to actually figure out what the triggers of people are mm-hmm. um, so that you can, again, tailor your solution to it or just be more understanding, again, of where your customer sits with a specific problem. No, that totally makes sense. So where do entrepreneurs go wrong? If you had to say, what are, what are some of the, I guess, most common pitfalls you see during this process? Yeah. Um, so back to this like confidence problem where people don't want to go out and talk to strangers. Um, the biggest thing I see is people want to use surveys. And it's kind of a kind of, I don't know, it's a get out for these types of situations where, oh, yeah, I can put this online and get 100 people to respond. That's okay, but that's going to be the lowest level of data that you can get relating to these questions that you have. Because say you have somebody fill it out, there's only going to be so much information they could put in that field, uh, in that text field, if they put something that's really great that you do want to unpack with them, you're not going to have the ability to do that. Like, it's just not a great tool. And I see so many young entrepreneurs want to do that. If you do use a survey, what I recommend doing is at the end of it, put um, a field that's just like, if we have any more questions, can we reach out to you? What is your email or your phone number? I get that this might be a good way for you to get a lot of information, but you want to be able to leverage those good responses. Um, another thing that I see people do is binary questions, so yes or no questions. For the most part, you want to avoid these. Again, you want to be pulling as much information as possible out of your subjects. And if you just set them up for a simple yes or no, it's just it's just black and white, and what you mm-hmm. want is color. Um, you had mentioned trying to sell. That's a big one and a part of the reason why people get really in their heads about this process. This is not a time to sell. This is a time to gather information. And honestly, the, the feedback that you get in these interviews, if somebody says, I, you know, I really, really hate, uh, I really, really hate uh the current market for sports bras because they're super itchy and they're super bulky. Then when you develop your brand new perfect sports bra, you can say not itchy, not bulky. You can use their words against them or, or for them in mm-hmm. advertising. So just make sure that you're taking good notes, but you don't need to sell right now. Um, this again is a way for you to start creating relationships with people who might end up being your customers. And then finally, um, you need to structure these interviews in a way that is going to produce honesty. And I mean that in a lot of different ways. The first one is you should not be interviewing people that are super close to you. Um, So friends and family, um, you're going to want to avoid as much as possible unless you really think that they're going to be your market. Um, because they are going to think you're a genius and so cool and so bold for taking this chance on yourself and an idea, and they're not going to want to tell you mm-hmm. that what you're working on doesn't make sense. Like, they probably think you are awesome, and you you are, but um, you need to get real feedback and not waste your time in this process. The other thing is just the way you're, you structure your questions. You don't want to lead people or present your um, solution in a way that people are going to give you positive feedback just to make you feel okay. You want this to be a way, again, to kill your idea, poke holes in it so that um, you save yourself a lot of the pain and frustration later on. Yeah, that makes sense. And I've seen you explain it before of, um, in terms of honesty of focusing on questions that reveal 
someone's past actual behavior versus their desired future behavior. Because I think all of us have this, um, whether we realize it or not, this tendency to think about ourselves one way and then act in another. For example, I like to think of myself that someone that like eats healthy, but I literally just had pizza for lunch. <laughs> I had a giant sandwich the other day. And so it's like, if I look at my past behavior, I actually have not been very healthy with my eating habits. But in my head, I still think like, yeah, like I'm trying to be good. Like I eat a decent amount of salads. But if you ask me to list my last five meals, they're all kind of garbage. So it's like, what am I actually, you know what I mean? I think that's, that's, I've heard you explain this before. And that's a really important thing because people might lead you down the wrong path based on who they think they are versus what they actually do. Yeah, there's definitely like aspirational um, industries or like segments. So like food for definitely fitness, um, health, like a lot of these things people might project like what their ideal self is like. Yeah, I work out five times a week. Well, the way, if you were to ask somebody how much do you work out, you might say five times a week. But instead, you could say how many times did you work out last week or tell mm-hmm. me about the last time you worked out. You really have to become like an expert at really sussing out human behavior and how they perceive themselves in this process. And the first time you go through this, you're going to realize your questions did not work out really well. Some of them like hit, some of them did not. And it's important maybe after you do one or five interviews to go back and and think about that. How could this process be improved and kind of iterate on your own uh, customer discovery process? Very cool. Um, I think we're going to wrap up, but are there any other tips you wanted to give? Anything else we haven't talked about that you think is important to touch on for uh, young entrepreneurs looking to get out there and do some customer discovery? Yeah. I mean, again, first, don't be afraid about this. Um, It's something that's necessary. And if you are afraid of talking to strangers now, it's just going to get harder when you get into that selling process. So like break the ice and get used to it. Um, It's going to be for your benefit. Um, I think the other thing is just this process never ends. Like I said, like Nike's still doing it. If you are going to be a successful company, whether it is just selling like cookies or selling shoes, like you need to go out and really understand and have a finger on the pulse of your customer. And the more you do that, the more you're going to be comfortable pitching your product, going out to sell it. Um, and just remember, it's just it's just like studying for those SATs. You want to know all the answers before you go in uh, so you don't feel like you're getting caught off, off guard. Excellent. Well, Tina, thanks so much for joining us. Um, If you're interested in seeing any of our other customer discovery resources, you can just go to our website, futurefounders.com slash customer dash discovery. Tina, thanks again, and we'll talk soon. Thank you, Kelly. The Future Founders podcast is produced by the Future Founders team. As a reminder, be sure to leave feedback about your experience with us today in our survey at the bottom of the ePass. Thanks for listening.